steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs, sideline, touchdown. Unbelievable. Vikings win it. Hey, welcome back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Ardell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, while we're getting the podcast back up and running, we've been uh, on hiatus for about two weeks here. There hasn't been a whole lot going on, and to be quite honest with you, there still isn't a whole lot going on. Um, COVID-19 and the ramifications of, you know, what's going on with that and how that influences the entire, not just the NFL, but the entire sports, uh, sports world in general. So, um, we are going to do our best today to discuss how the effects of Corona is are is uh, changing how the Vikings will operate in 2020, assuming that there is actually a season. So uh, the main uh, kind of sticking point that we have right now is that there are for sure only going to be two preseason games. Uh, week one and week four will not happen anymore, and there's a very real potential that there won't be a preseason at all. Uh, and given the Vikings just drafted 15 players and have several other things that they need to work out between now and, you know, whenever they do play next, uh, that might you know have a negative influence on that. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we will continue our uh, kind of exaggerated series here, uh, breaking down the Vikings prospects from their most recent dra- draft class with Cameron Dantzler as our next guy on the um, docket here. So that's the game plan for today. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Let's talk about um, what we know, uh, what we think, and you know what is realistic, I suppose, um, in a world where things very quickly become unrealistic. Uh, there, there really isn't any answers right now. But we, what we know for sure, like I just said, is that there's only going to be two preseason games for sure. And that means that preseason in itself is going to be simplified changed dramatically the way that the vikings are going to be able to operate their camps is going to be different and like i said during the intro here when you draft 15 players that's not it's not really what you want to hear right there's so much turnover going on that this hurts the vikings more much more than the average team uh all of this covid stuff you're going to have completely new playmakers on especially you got, you got cornerback one of the most important positions on defense you have a new starter at edge on defense another important position um you know, and obviously Justin Jefferson getting in there acclimated at receiver. Tajay Sharp getting in there acclimated at receiver. Um, so the wide receiver position is a very important. The edge position is very important. Cornerback position is very important, as we know. And there's clearly some big turnover there for the Vikings from year over year, 2019 to 2020. There's not going to be a lot of time for guys of those positions to get um, acclimated to the Minnesota Vikings, to you know, the offensive side of the ball, get uh, figured out with Gary Kubiak's offense. By the way, new offensive coordinator, too. So right. there's another wrinkle there. Uh, it's not terribly different from what Stefanski was doing, but it's still uh, there's probably going to be some key changes made that Kirk Cousins will want to you know have some time with Kubiak with and time with his uh, you know his teammates to to get used to that, calling it out, leading the way. So 
that's a big deal. I'm not going to try and quantify how much, if it means a win or two during the season, if it means uh, margin of victory or anything like that. I don't know. Uh, that, that's not something that can be quantified, I don't think. But it has to be uh, hurting a team with this much turnover compared to somebody uh, or another team that might be playing a lot of the same starters on both sides of the ball, whereas the Vikings are going to be you know, seeing quite a bit of change. Yeah, all right, so let's look at the offense first here. Um, take a, and kind of dive deeper into that idea of the amount of turnover that the Vikings are looking at. Because, you know, when you think of what the Vikings established last year, with the exception of trading away Stephon Diggs, and don't get me wrong, that's a huge difference than last year, kind of what you think of the Vikings offense isn't a whole lot different. Especially, you know, if you were one of the people who was saying, okay, we can just kind of copy and paste Justin Jefferson into Stephon Diggs' role, not really lose a beat, okay? I'm not necessarily with you on that take, but yeah, there are people who are saying that, right? Okay, so there's Justin Jefferson for sure replacing Stephon Diggs. He now has a very different looking kind of integration into the Vikings system. It is my understanding that basically the only thing that the rookies have done to date is, you know, maybe with the exception of some throwing workouts, it's just straight Zoom calls, which I'm not saying you can't learn anything from that, but my feeling is that a very high percentage of NFL players need to have that. Well, it's just it, it, it just compared to cl- college classes, you know, right. it, it's such a different environment. Uh, being in there, being able to speak directly to the professor, being able to speak directly to your classmates and right. learn their perspectives versus an online class. Um, where there's, I mean, there's tech issues for one that can complicate things, but um, it's just different. And like I, you know, if you look around, there's, you know, you, the colleges that are offering online now, they've gone to online for even the fall of 2020. And it's like, well, why is the tuition still the same? Right. And it's because right. that level of uh, experience is not nearly the same. And I would imagine that applies to this as well, where, you know, you're, you're meeting your teammates, your new teammates, you know, virtually. And at this point during any normal other season, you would have had mini camps already. You would have had workouts. You would have had all that stuff, OTAs. So uh, that's a huge change, and it sucks for these rookies because, you know, these guys, uh, especially Justin Jefferson and some of those uh, higher draft picks with some promise and had a real chance to make a big splash right away. They still have that opportunity, but um, it's the cards are kind of stacked against them right now. Absolutely. So you've got Jeff, Justin Jefferson. I think it's pretty fair to say that on the Vikings' offensive side of the ball – that he's probably the one that suffers the most as a result of the consequences of COVID-19. Because like you just said, he comes in here with a starting role basically waiting for him, right? After, you know, Diggs goes to Buffalo and the replacement that they signed in free agency is Tajay Sharp, who, by the way, is also a big loser because of corona, yeah. uh, the coronavirus as well, because he comes from Tennessee. Different system, different offensive coordinator, different teammates. I mean, you understand that, right? So you've got those two wide receivers who were expected to play big amounts of snaps. The winner as a result, though, is potentially B.C. Johnson, who might play more in that number two role initially because he does have the experience from last season. It is only one year, but he does have that one year of hands-on experience with which guys like Justin Jefferson. And I think Tasha Sharp probably has a little bit more hands-on experience because he was signed in free agency. But potentially BC Johnson seeing more snaps in that number two role to start the year, assuming there is a season, mm-hmm. that's something that could happen here. Now, the rest of the offensive guys here, the Vikings are fortunate that hopefully it's going to be Dalvin Cook at running back. 
Of course, that contract dispute is in progress still. Um, you still got Kirk Cousins, which is a big piece, obviously, having your quarterback uh, there. Kyle Rudolph returns, and then Adam Thielen returns. And then you've got basically the same offensive line. There might be some changes. The big loser there, obviously, is Ezra Cleveland, who's not even going to get the opportunity to compete to start week one, which right. he didn't think he was going to have that anyways, but he definitely doesn't have that now. So really for the Vikings offense, it's that wide receiver core and kind of by proxy, Kirk Cousins, who is hurt the most by the changes as a result of Corona, because what is Kirk Cousins expected to do here? If you're the quarterback of the Vikings, how is he expected to work well with his new teammates, specifically Jefferson and Sharp, when he doesn't know anything about them, he hasn't played with them before, and the, really the only legal thing he can do, he's not Tom Brady where he can just get away with whatever he wants. <laughs> the only legal thing that he can do is have Zoom sessions with his receivers. So I, I feel, I, I'm with you, I feel sorry for the rookies, obviously, but Kirk Cousins is going to be unfairly judged as a result of not being able to kind of apply right. maybe his most dominant trait, which is his work ethic, because of, you know, COVID-19. Well, that's, I mean, it, let's make it clear now. Every quarterback is dealing right. with some level of this. But, you know, it, it, it hurts especially when you're losing your best receiver in a trade. And right. now you have, you know, two of your top three guys are new from somewhere else, whether it's Justin Jefferson drafted Tajay Sharp being brought in from Tennessee. Uh, and then you have Adam Thielen, who didn't play that's true. most of the season last year. So that's – and again, you know, we know Kirk and Thielen have a very, very good rapport. Uh, we saw it in 2018, um, and the little bit they played in 2019 was was awesome, clearly. So that I don't, I'm not concerned about that by any means. But uh, And, you know, again, new offense, Gary Kubiak's offensive coordinator. Also uh, – Josh Klein's not there at right guard. Probably it's, it seems like Drew Samia is going to be the starting right guard. Uh, th that's right. another question mark still. Um, some people think Pat Elfline is still a question mark at left guard. Maybe Cleveland could be competing for that. Maybe Riley Reef is going to be the left guard and Cleveland be at left tackle. So a lot of question marks there that we won't know at all until potentially just week one. Because uh, <laughs> right. I think even, you know, I, I saw some of the NFL media members, you know, uh, there was some reports about how the restrictions for when there is training camp, uh, that there'll even be further restrictions on what media can and cannot report, what media can even be there, what they can do one-on-one uh, -on -one time with the players. So, like, there's going to be, you know, there's usually a wealth of knowledge, right? At, even at right. this time, but also during training camp time, too, where people know, like, w you know, what the nickel package looks like for the first team defense, right? None of that in 2020. So, <laughs> going to be week one vikings are going to be playing the packers hopefully knock right. on wood right and right. whatever happens like nobody has any has, has no idea what to expect you might hear about an injuries if th those take place in training camp but other than that it's going to be you know it's just going to be a cold run for everybody involved the the players coaches and the fans that's the truth unfortunately and adam thielen might see 150 targets this year if you look yeah, I, mean, well, I hope so that was the problem with Diggs. We wanted, I mean, we all were harping that he should get, you know, 10 targets a game and he wasn't. And so, but it seems like Kirk's more willing to throw to Thielen. So maybe that'll be the case. I, it certainly seems like that may be, you know, kind of one of those trickle down effects that we might see. Just if you're Kirk Cousins, I mean, I'm looking at this depth chart at wide receiver and obviously like you're, you're, you're thrilled to have Adam Thielen as your, your safety net, right? But he's got to be basically everything unless Justin Jefferson is, you know, basically 
I don't know, can do telepathy or something like that because there's no yeah, way. Essentially, what the Packers look like right now, more or less. I mean, you got a stud, number one guy, mm-hmm. and then after that, it's a lot of borderline, you know, I mean, Tajay Sharp-ish players. You know, Justin Jefferson's a rookie; he's unproven. He, I think, he's got more talent than anybody else. You know, besides like Devontae Adams and Adam Thielen out of those two uh, depth charts, but. There's a lot of question marks there, and now you're kind of you're asking Kirk to sort of care like really carry the offense in the passing game, whereas in the yeah. past you can maybe say, okay, Diggs is kind of your superstar, get him the ball. Thielen is your other superstar there, but Kirk's going to have to do a lot more than in the past. And uh, I mean, we'll see how what the running game looks like if Dalvin Cook. Uh, well, first of all, if Gary Kubiak is as committed to the run as he was during right. the 2015 Super Bowl run with Denver. Um, but also if that's still as effective as it was for most of last year. Just as a random note, I know we've talked enough about this already, but I do think that this kind of situation with COVID-19 is, it it does give Dalvin Cook a little bit of leverage too. I don't think that's something that we mentioned in the past because if the Vikings are going to try to run something this year, it would be nice to be able to, you know, have the running back that ran what 65% of the offense last year, basically. Um, so something to keep in mind. Not that important because obviously I don't, I don't have I don't have a clue what type of leverage Cook has, but um, something to think about maybe. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball here now, the offense is scary to me just because the offense is in charge of points, like the, your team putting up the points, right? But the defense, like the defense, makes me very very nervous because one, I know how complicated Mike Zimmer's system is, right? Uh, we've heard about it for years, the different types of stunts, the different switches, the, you know, what you're responsible for. Pattern tra- matching. The pattern matching, you know, trading off a receiver to your safety, all of these different types of things. And the Vikings have very, very little continuity at a lot of key positions on defense, right? So you return to Neil Hunter, you feel good about that. You've returned Shamar Stefan, I mean, you feel some way about that. And <laughs> Fadi Odenigbo obviously has pretty solid experience uh, as, you know, a spot starter rotation guy. So at least you're comfortable with him knowing the scheme. You also get Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks and Eric Wilson, who's almost certainly going to see a lot more time uh, than, you know, potentially Troy Dye, for example, who we really liked coming out of the draft um, just because, you know, Wilson has the experience. But the cornerback thing is what scares me the most, right? This is like, this is terrifying to me. So Michael Pierce, just be big in the interior. I know that, you know, there's more to running to zero than just being big and kind of, you know, eating up blockers. But that's a position where you don't have to be super nervous about it because it's not as crazy as the trade, you know, what you're just talking about with corner, with defensive backs. But when you look at what the Vikings are returning, you got Harrison Smith and you better hang on to Anthony Harris right now. Like, because I'm scared if you don't hang out. Like, yeah. even if you were to trade Anthony Harris to the Jets and get like Jamal Adams, which don't do that, but like, that's something that's in someone's mind right now. That's not good for the Vikings because they need something back there. They need two guys for sure that know exactly what they're doing because Jeff Gladney's not going to know what he's doing. Holton Hill's probably going to be suspended. Cameron Dantzler doesn't know what he's doing. Mike Hughes might be injured again. Chris Boyd wasn't that good. That's a big problem without any right. coaching, hands-on coaching, I should say. Right, and that's that's the big concern is that cornerback position. And now I will say Mike Zimmer has – endured and fought through a lot of uh situations where he did not have the odds in his favor that's kind of been the theme of his coaching career at this point uh you know 2015 you got uh 
you know, you lose well, your offensive line is completely terrible. Uh your offense, you, you clearly don't agree with your offensive coordinator because we saw what happened in 2016 when, when Norv and, and Zimmer, something happened right. where Norv just left. Um, yeah. You know, Vikings win the division. Probably shouldn't win a playoff game if Blair Walsh makes a 27-yard kick. 2016, again, offensive line's even further shattered. Teddy Bridgewater's knee fall, falls apart. Adrian Peterson tears his meniscus. On and on and on. Got a trade for Sam Bradford. 2017, again, the quarterback's hurt. Uh... Dalvin Cook's also hurt. Vikings about 13 and three NFC Championship game. You know, 2018, 2019, it, it, and then plus we talk about the eye surgeries, everything else. So I believe in Zimmer in that he's still one of the best defensive minds in the NFL, uh, and I think it's worth noting that he has continued to adapt. 2017 was a bit of an outlier, and it seemed like that, you know, everybody was healthy the whole season, and that def- that third down rate was just absurd, and they played a lot of mediocre quarterbacks that season and also last season too but this guy knows what he's doing with his defense and you know you look at how they rank you look at how they perform there was like last year was a drop-off but it was still one of the top 10 defenses if pretty much by any metric you look at so and that was with you know Xavier Rhodes in his worst career season and one of the worst PFF has like ever measured Trey Waynes Mackenzie Alexander like those guys are all gone uh, but I don't know if there's a humongous drop-off uh, in terms of talent with these new guys. I think it's just going to be getting them acclimated, like you said, all the complicated uh, scheming things with Zimmer's defense um, that you just can't show in person right now. It's going to be over the, you know, a, a, a diagram on a screen or something like that instead, which cannot be easy to learn. So we have discussed this briefly that the idea of, well, Everyone's dealing this with this, right? Like everyone has to deal with the consequences of, of COVID-19, right? Uh, so with the Vikings, so the point that I'm trying to make here is that everyone has to deal with it. I'm, I'm No doubt. There's no edge here. Um, but every coach can kind of deal with this in a different way, right? Or every, um, every organization is going to handle, you know, how to deal with the new world, if you will, um, differently as a result, right? The Vikings, I feel like, are one team where you can you can trust them to know how to operate in kind of adversity, right? Yeah. Because of what you just said, where Zimmer has been sort of fighting through adversity his entire career, and that predates his time with the Vikings for what it's worth. He was doing this with Atlanta when he got in a fight with Shiano. I mean, he was doing this in Dallas, you know, for, what, 15 years, butting heads with Parcells. I mean, Cincinnati, we had to deal with Marvin Lewis losing the playoffs every year. I mean, like, Zimmer's done it all, right? He's been through a lot of different situations. Now, no one's been through this situation, and no one knows the best way to do it, but I do feel confident in Zimmer's ability to keep the Vikings disciplined. So if there's going to be 32 defenses that are, you know, affected by the coronavirus, Mike Zimmer is one of the probably five or six defensive guys that I feel the most comfortable with having his guys prepared, despite the fact that he can't be there, you know, holding their pads for him, if you will, just because he has the experience. We've seen how he deals with this type of thing. Like Mike Zimmer is not the type of coach to be blaming the kind of issues that the Vikings have on the pandemic, right? He's not going to do that. He's going to say, all right, we have these issues. Yes. 
but like we still need to find a way to get better every day and et cetera, et cetera, coach speak, if you will. Okay. So like I trust Mike Zimmer to do all of these things, but can he like, does the, the real question here then is like, does he have a, like, can he do his job well enough to ensure that these young guys know what they're doing? Cause there's going to be a couple young guys that are playing big snaps here, no matter what. And if it's a cornerback, I don't want to deal with Aaron Rodgers, you know, week one. And if the guy doesn't no. know what he's doing, that's going to you know, be, a, you know how many times like, like Holton Hill, uh, if that's the guy is going to be targeted. I mean, remember last year, I think it was the Dallas game. Dak targeted Mike Hughes over and over and over. Cause he was the young guy. Mike Hughes is now the old guy at corner. Right. I guess yeah. Jeff Gladney technically by age is the old guy, but he hasn't played <laughs> the NFL yet. So right. like, that's the scary part. And it's, and in some ways it's a good thing. Cause you can't have Aaron Rodgers just targeting one guy over and over and over. But at the same time, anywhere you go, if it's just one-on-one, if teams can scheme up one-on-one, they're going to win a lot of time, at least at this point. So I, that part scares me a lot and it hurts because, you know, that's the most viable position to me on defense is cornerbacks because so much of the NFL now is passing and so many teams have these really good route running receivers that can, if it's all about timing, right? If you quarterback and receiver can match up your timing, if there's, you know, like a Rogers Devontae Adams, uh, for example, where they have such a good chemistry built over years, that's just impossible to stop already. And then you get add in there a bunch of rookie corners trying to cover that. It's over. It's over. And so you have to pay more attention to that. And then you open up other things. So, that week one game is more scary with coronavirus than it was before uh, with this whole pandemic. Again, pending that it even happens, but I'm scared of Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers in that first game. So where, I guess, kind of the final question as we wrap up this discussion is just where would you put the Vikings at, like, in a list of 1 to 32 of the teams in the NFL, like we just said, everyone's affected by the coronavirus. Which, where are the Vikings fall in terms of like how much this is going to impact, you know, what they do this, if the, you know, if there is this upcoming season. So how much it'll impact them. Uh, Basically on a scale of one to 32. Like if the, if, you know, uh, the chiefs are the least affected because they have Patrick Mahomes locked up and they bring, you know, most of their players back with the exception of Sammy Watkins or whatever it is there if they're one theoretically. And I don't know. Miami is 32 because two is coming off of an injury and isn't able yeah, yeah. to work with his new teammates. Where do the Vikings fall in that line? I mean, without having completely dove into every team, probably like 28, uh, something like that. You know, they're one of the most affected teams. I have to be. You have, 50, you have the most draft picks out of any team. Uh, at cornerback, your most valuable position, you're losing your top three guys, bringing in a bunch of younger guys. Um, you also lose your star receiver another valuable position and have to find a way to replace him somehow so yeah i, I just by that alone you know you're, yeah you're, two, it doesn't of sound valuable, good. two of your most valuable positions are having a, a drastic turnover now i think any team that has a new quarterback is probably ahead of the vikings or competition at quarterback Chicago. Yeah. yeah otherwise i think the vikings are right behind that team or those teams. I, I think that that's probably fair. I was going to say like like somewhere between the early to mid-20s um, on that list, just for what you just said. Um, the cornerbacks thing being the biggest issue, obviously, and just the fact that you have 15 guys and you're going to have to cut a handful of them without being able to evaluate it. Right. Like, it's, it, yeah. it sucks. <laughs> like, that sucks. Like, that sucks for like a, you know, 
either an undrafted guy or like a sixth or seventh round pick that, you know, that's kind of where that border is for a lot of teams where, okay, you enter the camp. These are the projected guys based on not right. seeing them yet. It's probably fifth, fourth round picks that are going to be on the team, depending on how the depth shakes out on that roster at the moment. Right. A lot of guys in that sixth, seventh round are not going to get a chance. You know, they're going to be that cut sucks. just because of this. And that sucks. Yeah, that really does. Suck. Yeah. All right. Well, one guy that we feel pretty confident that isn't going to be cut uh, is Cameron Dantzler. And he is the Vikings second cornerback off the board in the 2020 draft, as I'm sure you are well aware. Uh, big, big player here. Looks a lot like Xavier Rhodes. Just if you like, if you were to see, if you're to put Xavier Rhodes and Cameron Dantzler standing next to each other with, you know, all their football gear on, you might confuse them just on pure stature. Six foot two, 188 pounds, uh, which is a problem, by the way, but we'll get to that. Uh, but overall, you get this guy in the middle of the draft here, and you get him as potentially a spot starter slash rotational guy in a perfect world, not a Corona, you know, COVID-19 world. Uh, and you have to feel pretty good about that based off of kind of the skill set that he brings. And also we know from kind of our history with Mike Zimmer that the, this player on paper looks exactly like a perfect fit for what Mike Zimmer likes to do. And honestly, what he targets in his cornerbacks. Right. He likes the length. He likes the, the height at corner. Uh, we've seen it for a while now, you know, Waynes and Rhodes. That wasn't that coincidence that those were his starting corners for so many years. Right. Um, and so I think Danzler has that measurable that kind of works along with what Zimmer likes. Now, the other thing that you mentioned is the weight. That's the big, the bulk, the, the build, the physicality. Uh, I don't think he, sh- he's necessarily lacks physicality, but, it's that at the NFL level, you know, the receivers are bigger and stronger and at 188 pounds trying to be physical with those guys probably is, is not going to work as well uh, with some of those bigger, thicker receivers. So that's, that's the, the big, big issue that I guess I see um, is that and it's not only at the line of scrimmage, but it's like at the stem of the route too, where you kind of get receivers right. that might, you know, put their shoulder into your chest, something like that. And being able to, not get completely thrown off the route. Something like that is, I think, where Dancer is going to have to um, really, like I, I say this word, I'm saying it a lot in this episode, acclimate himself into the league. Um, where, you know, some going against Adam Thielen in training camp practice would be a big help for someone like him. Because right. Thielen's, Thielen's kind of a thicker guy. He's, he's not huge, but he's a larger framed receiver. Uh, and that would be a great way for him to get like for you, okay, welcome to the NFL. This is what I'm dealing with, you know. Right. Uh, but other otherwise, he's young for one, which is great. He's 21, I believe, and he, you know, has the the ball skills, has the length, tackles well, like all that is great and, and looks good on a cornerback. Rest like on your on a scouting report per se that you want for a future cornerback starting guy. Uh, just that he needs to add about 20 pounds, and he'd be. Kind of at that, you know, that's sort of that. What that's what Xavier Rhodes did when he entered the league and became a stud. So, that's what I would say. Dancer's got to do. Yeah, that's you know, that's gonna be the glaring thing that you're gonna. If you listen to any other podcast that's talking about Cameron Dantzler, I promise you they are bringing up his weight at some point because really, when you look at his body of work, you look at his pedigree as a player, you look at his combine, uh, you look, you know, where he came from. It's all 
pretty impressive for the most part, right? I mean, Mississippi State. So he's coming from SEC. Uh, he, that means he's played against some big boy receivers throughout his, what, I believe he played only two years in college, so a little bit of a lack of experience there. But uh, regardless of his quality experience, if you will, um, the size, like we've been saying, I mean, 6'2 with length at cornerback in the NFL, I mean, it, it has become a little bit more of the norm, I suppose, because the position has kind of changed over the years and we have seen it become more and more important to be lengthy and physical. But this is still a huge pro, right? Like, this isn't a default cornerback. His body type is basically perfect. The fact that he is 188 pounds isn't great, but he is, he's 6'2", and he's, you know, he's got long arms. He's got long legs. Hell, he's got a long torso, which means that he's got plenty of, you know, area to fill out with weight. Like, the ability and the ability to grow, not just mentally, but physically, is very present with this player. Like, he's... He has as much potential as anyone, assuming he has the right coaching and he's playing in the right system, which are two things that we can feel pretty comfortable about with him coming into his rookie year. The fact that he is getting coached up by Mike Zimmer, um, and then also the fact that you know he is a fundamentally sound player who showed, in again, in only two years of playing college ball, uh, that he knows the techniques at the position. He knows how to get his hands on his receivers and redirect them off the route. He knows how to establish leverage inside and out. He knows how to do these fundamental traits that you have to teach most rookie quarterbacks. And if you're not teaching them as a brand new subject, you at the very least are kind of showing them how to do it at the NFL level. Now, these are things that Cameron Dancer already knows how to do. It's just, can he put on hell? It's gotta be 25 pounds, man. Like, He's probably got to get up to about what 210, 215 to be truly competitive. At six two potentially. I mean, I, I guess I'm thinking like a little over 200. It's probably. At, you don't want to take away the speed and quickness, right? Right. Uh, so I, and I'm sure it's different between each person. Um, so at, I don't know exactly what the number is, and I'm I'm not gonna act like I'm some you know physician <laughs> or right, uh, right. doctor or anything like that, but uh, a physical trainer. But he. Yeah, I, I think you kind of said it that, you know, he's got the the length. He's got the length, right? That's that's established. Six, two long arms, long limbs. Um, and, you know, he is only in, you know, he's a couple years into being a full-time cornerback. Like, he wasn't a full-time corner right away uh, in, during his high school days, all that. So uh, he moved around quite a bit. So I think the fact that he is only a couple years into being a full-time corner, um and it's still, you know, a third round pick. It's a little bit like he's got, he's raw, but he's not raw. He's raw like, in the sense that he doesn't have a ton of experience at the position for someone that's being drafted at the NFL, but he's still performing better than a lot of the guys at his position that were drafted. Uh, so it, I, I, I like him a lot. Like I like him probably as the more I look into it, the more I like him on a similar level as Jeff Gladney. Uh, part of it's because of age. Like, you know, if you draft a guy three years younger, he's got more time to develop, grow, become a pro. But I like this pick a lot the more I think about it. So uh, maybe not a maybe not a year one or year two even contribution that I like, but it's down the road developing into something that could be pretty pretty solid. Yeah, and of course, you know, anytime you're talking about football right now, I guess you have to you you do have to bring up you know how it is affected by the coronavirus. Cameron Dancer is again he's one of the biggest losers here. I mean, that's basically the premise of this entire show is the biggest losers because some of these guys really just got straight up screwed. 
Uh, and Cameron Dantzler is right at the top of that list with Justin Jefferson. And the reason being is that, I mean, Mike Hughes has a lot of talent. We've seen, you know, the ability. We've seen the technique. Um, but we've also seen the question marks. And that's not just the torn ACL. There are other things with Mike Hughes that have not exactly gone swimmingly since his, you know, time, you know, since he was drafted into the NFL. Now, then you've got Holton Hill. I mean, I've made the joke how many times? Like, we don't know if he's going to be on the field ever, okay? If you're Cameron Dancer, you've got to be salivating, right? If the opportunity to be working in an NFL offense and your mistakes can be covered up by Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris as a rookie, I mean, like, you have to be craving the opportunity to be on the field. I mean, the only guy that really stands in his path from getting significant snaps is Jeff Gladney. And now he's got to deal with the pandemic. I feel bad for Cameron Dantzler because every of everything that we said, he, he's ready to go mentally. He knows what he's doing with his hands. Like Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes, as we know, struggled for years with their hand placement and allowing guys to kind of get by them before they could flip their hips. And all of a sudden they're dragging them down the field and you've got it, you know, 15 to 55 yard penalty. Cameron Dancer is a little bit better with that, a little bit smarter. You see less issues with his, you know, kind of his, the physical nature of his uh, playing style on film. And he's not even going to have the opportunity because <laughs> you can't put your hands on someone through Zoom. Like, I'm sorry, like, it's just not going it, to, it's a really, it's a tough spot to be in. And it, it sucks for a guy like this because the one th- issue that he has, I mean, he's probably working on it. He's listed at 188 on, what, April 15th? He's probably closer to 200 now while we're having this discussion in July. That'd be great, right? That'd be great. <laughs> it would be great because that's the one that's one of the few things that these players can control is their conditioning, their you know their muscle mass, all of that kind of stuff that I don't control. So, I mean, it's like I, I, feel, I feel bad, but then you also have to think about, okay, what advantages does he have as a result of this? I mean, no one else gets the benefit either. Well, and that it, the the situation he's in, like you mentioned, he's got Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris behind him. He's got one of the best defensive coaches scheming him up, making him look right. good as he has with Wayne's got Trey Wayne's paid, got Xavier Rhodes paid, um, got Mackenzie Alexander kind of paid, you know. So right. he's these cornerbacks have looked good playing for Mike Zimmer, and now he has the chance to put big snaps in as a rookie, even as a third round pick, just because of the way everything has shaked out. It's, this is the perfect year to be a Minnesota Vikings cornerback. It really is. I mean, if you're trying to make a name for yourself in the right. league, get yourself a, a payday at some point in your career. This is the perfect year to do it. 2020, 2021, as that whole position's kind of restarted. Dancer's got, well, had the chance, still has the chance. It's just as a rookie, you're going to be really, uh, it's going to be rude awakening at some point whenever he's able to compete with his teammates, with other teams, professionals. It's going to be rude awakening that he'll have to get over. And we, as we've seen with any position, but especially corners, that awakening and getting over that hump can be a process uh, that takes years sometimes. Years might be an understatement. I mean, Trey Waynes might have gotten paid without learning that for, for what it's worth. Um, <laughs> I mean, that but, contract, by the way. <laughs> it's it's interesting. I'm I'm glad we're paying Cameron Dancer four hundred and sixty eight thousand dollars a year or whatever it is for his services yeah. instead. Um, 
but yeah, so that, that about wraps up, uh, you know, our analysis on Cameron Dantzler. It, again, it's unfortunate that we can't focus more on just the player and have to, you know, we do have to wonder about how this season is going to be or if it's going to be um, as a result of the coronavirus. And it's, you know, it's, it sucks. It's not, it's not fun for any of us. Um, it's not, no. it's not fun for content purposes for what it's worth. I mean, we're struggling to come up with interesting stuff to talk about on a regular basis, but um, you know, it is what it is, I suppose. And uh, yeah. So do you have any, do you have any closing thoughts here before we wrap up? Uh, it's good, but it's bad. It's good that the Vikings are not in the news with everything happening. It's good that the Vikings are just not in the news, but it's also, I mean, it's bad for us that there's nothing right. to talk about, but it's good that our Minnesota Vikings are seemingly, like you said, the only thing that they're in the news for at this point seems to be advocating for social justice, right? Um, this, the, the Will family donating to all the right causes, um, right. that type of thing. So that is a good thing. And I will, you know, we take, I'm, it's easy to take that for granted when it's the off season and we don't even know if there's football that's going to happen, but that's something positive to end on. I suppose is that it seems like it, the Vikings are a good team to be rooting for through all this. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. Um, yeah, if you go, if you scroll on ESPN right now, if you type in Minnesota Vikings on ESPN and scroll down, you'll see more, see more articles about donations than you will about, you know, football right now, yeah. which is, you know, it's like, like Drew said, it's, you know, it doesn't make our job any easier, but do you really care about our job? So, <laughs> all right, guys, thank you for listening. As always, uh, Drew and I will be back next week, continuing on with another prospect. Let's see here. Who's that going to be next week? I believe we are on to Troy Dye next week. So uh, that's the expectation. We'll break down the Oregon linebacker and whether or not he, you know, he will be uh, able to get a chance to show showcase his skill set uh, in 2020. Um, and then we'll, you know, fish something else up going around uh, in Minnesota and the NFL. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, the Patrick Mahomes show will cease and we can get something that applies more directly to your Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> So uh, thanks for listening, guys. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Climb in the Pocket, Daily Norseman. Leave a comment. I always read that stuff, and we will catch you guys next week. Oh.